0: When we think of traveling outside our native country, we usually consider the obvious differences that we will experience, the language, food, clothing, and architecture. But there's another layer of difference that's more subtle, and it can dramatically affect how well we navigate our new environment. Our question this episode, what's important to consider when communicating with others in a culture that's different from your own? Welcome to episode 46 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host, Beth Velo. Thank you so much for being with me today. Um, Today's guest caught my eye on LinkedIn when she did a post about cultural sensitivity when working in countries other than your own. What I find interesting about this, besides the idea of how can you um, adapt when you are traveling, it's interesting that even though we're talking about different countries, there are actually communication-style differences to consider even within the same country. I was most acutely aware of that difference when we moved from the Midwest to the Pacific Northwest. Northwest. My communication personality is fairly direct, but I hope tactful and carefully considered. And it's never, again I hope, rude or pushy. And yet, for the first time in my life, I was told by a new Pacific Northwest colleague that she thought my directness was rude. There might have been some other issues going on there, and I'm actually certain there were. But it's nevertheless a sharp reminder that what is considered normal or acceptable in one part of the country might come across very differently in another part. As you listen to this conversation, I invite you to keep in mind that it's not only international travel that can trip us up. Sometimes it can happen literally almost in our own backyard. So stay with me after this chat with Susan for some quick closing thoughts and your call to action. Susan Shirley is a leadership professional who works with leaders and teams in multicultural environments. Living and working abroad for 25 of the last 30 years has given her insight into the challenges that face expatriates, local staff working with international organizations, and teams working remotely across time zones and cultures. Susan draws on her experience as a global nomad to provide leadership coaching, training, and team workshops for people around the world. If you want to learn more about Susan and her work, I invite you to visit the episode webpage at HowCanISayThis.com. From there, you can also access past episodes, submit a communication question for reply in a future episode, subscribe, learn how to leave a review, and offer feedback. Hi Susan, welcome to How Can I Say This. I've been very much looking forward to this conversation today.
1: Me too. I'm happy to be here. Well, as we heard in the
0: intro, you are a um, a global citizen. You live in Austria, and you do lots of international travel and trainings. So you've had a plethora of opportunities to observe cultural differences in communication and in social settings. And one thing you mentioned to me when we were having a conversation about this conversation is that values and personality differences show up just as much as language barriers. Like often that's the thing we think about that's going to be the major difference. What have you learned from having to navigate diverse environments about staying true to yourself when you might not be in sync with the culture that you're visiting?
1: Well, I think it's important to remember a couple of things. One is when you first meet somebody, you're not sure if what you're seeing and the way they're behaving is their own personality or if it's a cultural norm that they're expressing. And I think it's important to be kind of open to whatever the answer to that, to the question, why are they doing this or why are they acting this way? It might be. When I was thinking about uh, this question, I, I was reminded of a time that I was in Tanzania, East Africa, and I went to the hotel desk and there was a young woman working there and she would not look me in the face. And I was thinking, is she just painfully shy? Or is this one of those cultural things where she's just not looking at me because I'm older or she's younger or whatever it is. And so I I didn't know, but I did whatever transaction I needed to do. And I asked somebody at the office and I, I had been there a week. And because I was working at an American organization there, I hadn't noticed this before, but it's very strongly discouraged through your whole life if you're raised in Tanzania to not look someone right in the face like that. And it's really the opposite of what we're taught in the United States, especially in a business setting. So I asked her how she navigates this because she works in in an American organization. And the person sitting before me was outspoken and active and certainly was making eye contact. And, And she said to her, it's like a jacket. She gets to her workplace in the morning and she puts on her jacket. And when she's wearing that jacket, she makes eye contact. She speaks up in meetings, even if she might be the youngest one there. And she answers directly and honestly, even if the answer is not what the person wants to hear. And then at the end of the day, she takes that jacket off and she goes back to her own cultural norms, which is what she was raised with and goes back out into the world. And I thought that was a really interesting way to describe it. And I know that in a lot of ways, that's what it feels like as someone living abroad too. I mean, you're yourself at home, of course, and you try to be yourself with friends, But when you're out in the street, you act a different way and and it's almost like you're wearing this other cultural norm jacket, you you know, so that's something that, is striking. Yeah. A a lot of times when people describe cultural differences, they describe it like an iceberg. So the part that you can see above the water are the really obvious things like language and food and dress and those things that you can read about in a guidebook. And then you have at the water level something that's probably more like the norms, looking people in the eye, harder uh, things to change about the way you move about in the world. But under the water are your cultural values and your personal values, and those are things that you really cannot change. And so in the example of this woman with her cultural norm jacket, her feelings about being respectful to people and that part that's a core uh, value for her didn't change. It's just the norms of how she acts that out are different at work, how they would be in the street or at home.
0: So... Her value of being direct might be tempered in some way just to adapt to the environment that she's in, but it doesn't change the fact that she's going to be direct.
1: Uh, More that the norm for, for her culture is to be indirect.
0: Well, like you said, you know, we know about the things that are the tip of the iceberg above the water. How do we become familiar with what's underneath the water, since that's not going to be in a guidebook necessarily?
1: Yeah, it's much harder to find out about the 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 under-the-water things. So um, even if you're talking about norms, which probably are are pretty easy sort of habits to change, um, you might not know what they are until you just plunge in and you know, try to swim, <laughs> to keep up with the water <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the main way is to learn a little bit about the ways that cultures can be different. So there are a lot of uh, parameters. We hear a lot about time being different in different cultures. And that's actually the biggest one you hear about. But there are also things in terms of, you know, who has authority or power and how do you relate to power and those kinds of things. And you might not know what the answer is for the culture where you are, but you might know to look for that parameter. So if you're in a meeting and you notice that no one under 30 is speaking, mm-hmm. maybe it's because they feel like it's not their turn or they have to be asked. Yeah. So you might not know for the place where you are, but knowing that that could be why they're not speaking, then you can jump in and make it easier for them to say something or Knowing that eye contact is sometimes something different in a different culture. Don't jump to the conclusion that the person's avoiding looking at you for some other reason. You know, just knowing it could be a cultural parameter, that that helps a little bit. But really just being open to not drawing conclusions as quickly about people's behavior. Would you
0: say that when it comes to trying to figure that out, like if if you're really struggling, let's say, or um, it's just not... Obvious, um, even after some observation of other people, is it reasonable to ask someone and say, "I'm noticing this particular behavior or pattern. Can you tell me more about that?" Or, you know, is is it appropriate to to ask somebody?
1: Absolutely you want to find a person that you can trust to ask. So if you're if you're a tourist, I mean you're going to get into a lot fewer of these situations, but probably your hotel people, they don't want you to get in trouble. They're going to help you navigate this the best way they can. Um if you're working somewhere you probably have someone working closely with you, and they also have a vested interest in your success. And so, you just fess up early and say, "Look, I've never been here before, and I might need you to answer questions for me about the way that we behave here at work." And you know, prepare them for <laughs> you might come up and ask them. And you can trust most people to just be supportive because, in most situations, you find yourself everyone's interest is in your success and your, your outcomes.
0: So it's really important then when we're in that kind of situation to kind of the way I would put it is kind of get over yourself. Like, you know, any embarrassment that you might have or any insecurities about, you know, well, I should be able to figure this out or I'm too embarrassed to ask somebody. Just go ahead and and ask because most people, like you said, want you to be successful. And to me it seems like it's showing respect to say, I would like to be able to fit in. And so to ask for that kind of help seems like it would be more respectful and that I would just need to get over any embarrassment I might feel about that.
1: Absolutely. So you need to get over the embarrassment of asking, and then also know that you will make mistakes. (laughs) Just know it right away. Be prepared to apologize if you do something wrong. I mean, everybody will know you're a foreigner. I think it's actually much harder for people who look like they might be from the place they're in, but they're not they're expected to act like a local and, and they aren't local. Actually, You're at an advantage if you look like a foreign. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. We can be like blissfully ignorant and clueless and, and, and goof up and say we're sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or I just, I didn't know. I mean, some things yeah. you can't know. Exactly. Well,
0: in addition to all of those kinds of differences that show up, and especially in the differences in language, that goes beyond the obvious into cliches and colloquialisms that we take for granted in our native tongue. What are some examples of things that can get lost in translation? And how do we make sure, and I'm going to use a a cliche here, um, how do we make sure we don't stick our foot in our mouth?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. well, there there are a lot. Uh, The first thing I noticed about the way Americans speak is that we use an incredible number of sports references. And I'm not even a big sports fan. We not only use sports references, but there are references to particularly American sports. So it would be pretty rare for other people to know what you're talking about. And and you think, oh, I don't do that, right? I, I would have thought that too. But you, you find yourself saying things like, oh, well, that came out of left field or enough with the Monday morning quarterbacking. Some of those things actually... Because English is such big uh, international business language, people may know some of those things. But one of the newer ones, and this actually bothers me too, maybe because I've been outside the U.S. for a long time. When people say takeaway, what's your takeaway from this meeting? And everywhere else in the world, takeaway means takeout food. <laughs> well, they might get from context that you're asking, what are you going to take away from this meeting? They're all thinking, takeout? Chinese, please. So that's one of the things that, you know, little things like that. And then other things that even if you, and this is where you get into trouble when you're learning uh, the local language and, and, you, and your best bet really is to just fess up early on and say, look, I'm not speaking this language well, I know. <laughs> and so they're prepared for your mistakes. You know, in a lot of languages, you never want to use an adjective and then translate it like I am whatever the adjective. In a lot of languages, you need to say, I have whatever it is, or I feel whatever it is, because you think you're saying, I'm cold. It's cold in here, but you're really saying, I'm frigid. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, a lot of those words that you think you're making a direct translation, you're, you're really not. And so you, you need to be a little bit careful about, about some of those words.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's so interesting. And you're so right about the sports aspect. And I hadn't thought about it even in terms of American sports, and even what if football versus soccer, you know, and different things like that, that we might think that there's the same game, but it's called something different. And therefore, probably the, the way we refer to it, or the cliches or colloquialisms are very different. And to be mindful that uh, they might not understand the context.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is it is really um, it's funny. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, when you when you bring your own personality to it, it might your personality is your personality and you can change the way you behave. But I I tend to laugh when stuff like this happens. And sometimes that's not the appropriate response. (laughs) some cultures are a little more serious. I had a friend from an Eastern European country and she said, oh yeah, Americans, they smile all the time like idiots. Hmm. <laughs> so you you can be perceived depending on where you are to be taking something too lightly or just to be unaware of things around you. Like no one's that happy. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm kind of a smiley person, but you do have to tone it down a little bit. Or even if you're saying the right word, you might look like you mean something different because you're smiling a lot or you're asking a lot of questions. That's another thing. It's, a, it's another personality trait that I have that can be taken the wrong way. Are you asking all these questions? You know, are you inspecting my work? Are you up to something else besides what your job is? You know, yeah. anytime you can kind of explain beforehand, this is not my first language. I just ask, you know, I just say, I, I ask a lot of questions. I, you know, so do you mind if I ask you this question? it kind of tempers my too many questions. <laughs>
0: yeah. Just like the the first part of this conversation in talking about values and norms, there's something to be said for transparency and vulnerability in just saying, I am not sure what to do. I, I don't speak this language or I'm not familiar with this culture and being ready to be humble about how you're showing up and trying to adapt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Use like, you know, just the simplest approach and try to just always be respectful the best way you know how. Mm
0: -hmm. And it seems like it goes the other way, too. Like if, if someone is using a context of I'm an American going into another country, but there's also someone from another country coming to America, that would also be extraordinarily disorienting. And for us to be sensitive and aware of how they might be feeling, how that discomfort might be there, and what can we do to also set them up for success in this foreign environment.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think the more you do it, the more you just have no worries about it. I mean, you try to be right, but if you're wrong, it's not a disaster. And the more mistakes you make, the better you get at dealing with mistakes.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. You sort of learn and you just roll with it. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up here, um, I'm wondering if you have some best practice advice for communicating in a culture that speaks a different language. And I'm not necessarily speaking of the language itself, but, you know, in terms of connecting and communicating with other people, whether you're there for work or for vacation. So, you know, any any sort of
1: context. One thing is, uh, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned it before, just let people know you, you're not sure what you're supposed to say. And then, Whatever you're talking about, pick the simplest word that means exactly only that. Whether you're speaking in English or trying to speak the local language, because if you just learned the language or if they just learned English, they and you will have been taught the most simple word first. Even when you're speaking English, use the word choose. It doesn't mean anything else. As much as you can, uh, choose the exact word that you mean and the simplest word for it. Nice.
0: And, it, and I think probably also learn some basic words like please, thank you, hello, goodbye, no thank you. Doing those niceties as well as things that you're probably going to find yourself saying often. Where's the restroom? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I actually make sure to always learn the word thank you first. Yes. Um, yeah. Because someone's helping you from the minute you arrive in the airport. That's my, you know, my first word that I'll always make sure I know and and other than that you know just just be yourself and um and have fun it might seem scary but really most people are willing and eager even to help you out yeah
0: that's a great piece of advice to remember. And that, and that's another great way to make sure that you're connecting with people, like you're getting a real experience. You're not just sort of keeping to yourself or even trying to figure out things with an app on your phone, but just yeah. talking to people is more likely to give you some memories and some, some real connection to the place that you're visiting.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and, you know, depending on what language you're trying to use, if you're trying to use a translator,
0: uh, <laughs> you can get trouble.
1: <laughs> I mean, some languages, Google, Google Translate works pretty well, but some languages, it just really doesn't.
0: Yeah, when in doubt, talk it out, yeah. <laughs> you know, go to someone and see what you can discover. So, well, Susan, where can people learn more about you and your work?
1: Uh, they can go to my webpage, which is globalviewleadership.com. And uh, Global View Leadership also has a LinkedIn page and you can find me there and that's really the best way.
0: Terrific. Well, I'll make sure that there are links to that in the episode webpage, so that if people want to reach out, they can do so. And, uh, and Susan, I've really appreciated the the wisdom that you've shared here, and um, giving us permission to make mistakes <laughs> when it comes to uh, reaching out and being in a different culture and trying to communicate with folks. It's actually making me hope that I have the opportunity to make some sort of trip soon, <laughs> so that I can put some of this into practice. So, thank you for that.
1: Well, thank you very much. Been a pleasure. Before I share
0: a few quick closing thoughts, I want to offer a reminder that if you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you haven't already, please subscribe. And I love it if you would leave a review that helps other people to find it. And it lets me know what you are enjoying about the podcast. This is all many other ways that you can bring more courageous conversations into the world. This entire conversation reminds me of a quote attributed to Kristen Higgins that I have hanging in my office. It reads, commandment number one, believe in yourself. Commandment number two, get over yourself. Both are true when it comes to being in situations that are uncomfortable, like the ones that Susan and I talked about here. First, believe in yourself and that you can handle whatever happens. Trust that you'll make it through just fine. And second, get over yourself and ask for help when you need it. Be okay with saying oops, just like we learned in episode 38 when we focused on having brave interfaith conversations. We need to be able to say oops and learn from any missteps that we make. Trust that you'll be okay, not if, but when it happens, because it most assuredly will happen. Belief in yourself actually grows stronger the more you get over yourself, And it's kind of like, isn't it funny how that works? (laughs) My call to action to you is to give yourself generous permission to ask for help when you feel like a fish out of water. And as a side note, I wrote that and then I realized up, see what I did there, throwing in an idiom that may not have shared meaning with everyone even listening to this podcast, since we have listeners in 48 countries. Anyway, I digress, but I just wanted to point out how easy it is to use metaphors and sayings that aren't shared by everyone. And just being aware of that reality is the first step towards being a better communicator across cultures. But back to my main point. Be okay with asking for help, asking what is customary or the norm for the group that you're in. This applies whether you're in a different country, a different state, or even just in a different social group. We all have moments when we feel culturally incompetent, and we have to set our ego aside and be willing to ask for advice or assistance. As Susan and I discussed, it's a sign of respect to want to honor someone else's culture and norms. You might not always be able to follow those norms 100%, but at least if you deviate from what's expected, you know that you're doing that, and you can do it more thoughtfully. This is Beth Bilo, and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me and Susan for this conversation today. And I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously.